0: Grab a blanket and get comfortable. The Grab a
1: Blanket podcast starts in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. with Wings Productions presents Grab a Blanket, the podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Oliveri. We've all lived through some trying times the past couple of years. We've had to find new ways of doing things and creative solutions to problems we'd never dreamed of. We've had to revisit our relationships with work, family, friends, and even ourselves. And when things became overwhelming, We had to dig deep to find ways to bring a feeling of comfort, joy, and safety to our lives. In this podcast, we'll explore the different ways we find solace and peace of mind. This is your moment to settle in, get cozy, relax, light a candle, grab a blanket, and spend a little time with us as we explore the various paths that people take to add a little joy to their lives. My guest today is Katie Tessman. With a voice full of wisdom she's gained through breast cancer survival, heartbreak, and motherhood, Katie Tessman's straight from the heart songwriting style moves passionately over a diverse emotional and musical terrain. Katie is also an award winning children's book author and named Changemaker by Minnesota Women's Press. Before becoming a mom, Katie performed her original, contemporary folk music for nearly a decade, both in the Twin Cities area and on national tours that allowed her to grace stages from Seattle to Sault Ste. Marie. Katie has fought the battle of her life. Finishing the fight with children who stayed optimistic gave her the courage and confidence to self-publish her book, Our Mama is a Beautiful Garden, a breast cancer book for children. For this, Katie received the Mom's Choice Awards Gold Medal and Moonbeam Children's Book Awards Silver Medal. Katie is passionate about helping schools transform their libraries to be future-ready media centers. She builds relevant and diverse book collections for new schools across the country and believes every school library should host a maker space, an outlet for students fueling engagement, creativity, and curiosity at the same time. As promised, each episode of Grab a Blanket features a recipe provided by our guest. Please be sure to check the show notes for Katie's recipe. You can also find links to her website and social media accounts in the show notes as well. Okay, it's time to get cozy and settle in. The conversation starts now. So Katie Tesman, welcome to the Grab a Blanket podcast. How are you doing today? Hi Melissa, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So are you Okay, I've been doing this podcast for a few months and every single time I've had to talk about how cold it is and I would have thought today is April 20th. I would have thought we'd be done talking about that, but here we are. You're in Minnesota too.
2: Yeah. How,
1: how what are you doing with this weather? How are you staying comfortable?
2: Um, layers, Yeah, lots of layers inside. I've got a, um, a down vest that I wear a lot nice. while, I'm, while I'm working. Um, and it, it's perfect to put on when I'm carting kids around and running errands. So yeah.
1: this down vest you're wearing indoors just for people who live like in California or something, just so they understand what we're dealing yeah. with. Right.
2: Right. Yep. It's a down vest. That's just is perfect hug all day long inside.
1: Oh, I love that. You have yeah. a, a portable hug. You can just throw on any time. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a singer songwriter and an author. Have you always done both or did the author part kind of come later on? The
2: author part came later. Um, Growing up I sang in choirs and musical theater. I did a lot of musical theater in high school and college and then when I graduated with a speech communication degree I knew that I wanted to uh, be a songwriter and perform. Uh, Not necessarily in theatrical productions but more concerts uh, and collaborate with others. Then I I was a performing singer-songwriter for about a decade and then became a mom. And then the songwriting didn't, it sort of stopped. I started writing little ditties uh, to go along with our day with toddlers. And um, it was when I was diagnosed with breast cancer that writing became therapeutic for me. And that's how I came about of writing my own book.
1: So it was, I mean, it's fantastic that you, not the situation you were put in, but that you found a way to kind of process it.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was my lemonade.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, you've touched on so much in just that little paragraph, if you will, but um, for, let's go back to the music thing and how you were doing music for 10 years. And then you say, then you became a mom. And I I know this feeling too. I stopped as well. Um And I'm just curious, you know, how, what other ways, because to me, playing or making music or writing music is a a comfort thing, right? It's, it just makes me feel really good. And so when you stop, how did you compensate? How did you bring kind of some joy or some comfort or even a sense of self to your life when you were kind of on that hiatus with, you know, being a parent to young children, which is just really hard? Yes, yes. Um, When
2: they were really little, I took um, music together classes. It's an early childhood family music program. And so my two sons, Lewis and Maxwell, um, when they were really little, we, we did music together and I loved those classes. It was the highlight of my week. And once they were in school full time, uh, I trained and was certified to become a music together teacher Oh, cool. So I did that for a couple of years and just loved that. Um, Teaching music um, in a safe setting with uh, multi-generations, whether it is a, a mom and toddler or a grandpa and a newborn baby in my classroom, teaching music and movement and watching those little bodies feel the music and express the music, whether it's vocally or through the way that they stomp around the room. Um, it was so that was a way that I could still have music pumping through my veins. And of course going to concerts like the Okie dokie brothers. Oh yes. Yes, with my with my little children. Um I feel like
1: I love it. You know,
2: I was right there when the Okie Dokie Brothers started. I, yeah. so I feel like I'm their biggest fan. <laughs> I love
1: it. We we were a cuckoo kangaroo family over here. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's that's super. Yeah. There's something about children's music that um, I I find it really interesting. People who are able to compose that, and you know, it, it's a whole different beast, isn't it? You you have yes. to almost temper. Everything down a notch. Because as adults, I think we, you know, if you're angry or you're sad or like that's where all those emotions go. But if you're writing for kids, you want to kind of not make adulthood so scary. I think.
2: Right, right. So all of my songs that I wrote um, before I became a mom, they were about heartbreak and relationships and um things that might go wrong. And I would process that by writing a song. So single people in their late 20s, early 30s could relate to this music. Um, And then fast forward, when I wrote my book, I started to do events, uh, reading events at churches and retirement homes. And I would always bring my guitar and share some songs. But I couldn't share the ones I wrote when I was, <laughs> you know, in my 20s. So right. I, I did covers by Simon and Garfunkel and yeah. you know, those those good, feel-good songs that are recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. But now that I'm writing music again, it seems to be a complete circle. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. With, with where I started with my music. And then how I became an author of a children's book about a very serious subject. And then the songs that I'm writing now, I, I feel like it's, I am becoming, of, it, not really full circle, of like a circle of life, but like right. I, my identity. It's more of my identity is coming in like full color.
1: It's so interesting too to see what brought you comfort the song the songs that you were writing that made you feel better to express those feelings and now what what it is you need to process it's so different when you're twenty versus when you're you know forty or whatever right. it, it's yeah and it's interesting because when you're twenty you don't get that. right yeah and that's okay i think everybody's the same but it's just when you look back it's just such an interesting process to get from a to b Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so and then now let's touch on your book um so of course i'm presuming luckily knock on wood i haven't had to go through a health issue like that but i'm presuming that when you're going through something big like breast cancer um you you it's not comfortable, <laughs> you no, know, and I'm sure it it's is, very scary. Yeah. So you have to find ways to kind of, I'm sure, tone that down a little bit. What? So writing was one thing. Were there several things that you you did to work? Yeah, through it? well,
2: it was it was I I was quite blindsided. It was my very first mammogram. Okay, and w- it's recommended that women get their first mammogram at age 40. Well, I had in my mind that I wanted all my doctoring done before. 40, so I could just kind of have a nice party and then move on. And so my children were ages six and three. And it was early October, about a month before my birthday. I had my first mammogram. And then I had to get a biopsy. And then I was told I had cancer. And the best date for my oncologist, my cancer surgeon, and my plastic surgeon. To do the surgery was on my fortieth birthday. No, yeah, zero comfort. Yeah, <laughs> there's no comfort Talk about, happening. <laughs> can't even
1: have your birthday cake. Yeah, oh,
2: no. right, right. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. So I started to like. I made lists. What gave me comfort is preparing for that surgery. Is I made lists and said, you know, my most precious things. I would like them to go to these people.
1: Yeah,
2: and it was kind of weird to think the worst, but how can you not? Right. Um, and I, and I didn't know if it went to my lymph nodes. I didn't, I didn't know how big that tumor was because the MRI showed some things, but they, you know, they always find more stuff. Right. Um, so I didn't really know what kind of journey I had ahead of me. Um, uh, but what gave me comfort was to write lists, um, and I, I never showed anybody. I think this might be the first time I'm telling anybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think it's important to even share those things because I think other people then don't feel so alone, whatever they're going through with whatever way they're processing it, just to know we each have our own thing and there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, it's, so taking a what if and um, what am I going to do with it?
2: So I like to do something with the what ifs or with the worries to um, maybe dampen them and have them be as cold and prickly and to, to make it be more, how am I going to make them warm fuzzy? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So um, when cancer goes to your lymph system, you need chemotherapy and um, that changes it to stage three cancer when it goes to the lymph. And I remember distinctly the day before I was talking to my body, so my prayers went into my body, and I said, hey, if that cancer cell goes to you, lymph system, cut it out, just knock it off. And then I realized, no, lymph system, your job is to take those cells and recycle and make them new, and that's what your lymph system is supposed to do. So if there's a cancer cell that's making its way to my lymph system, good job, lymph system. You're doing the right thing. You just don't know. You don't recognize that it's a bad cell. Right. right. So after my surgery, it was five hours long and uh, a double mastectomy. And I remember waking up and my sister was there and um, she had already heard the news and she delivered the news to me that it did go
0: Mm. my lymph
2: system. So they took some out of my armpit and um, they said, so when you're all healed from the surgery, you will start chemotherapy. Okay. So I was like little cheer for my lymph system for doing the (laughs) reverse (laughs) job, but now I'm going to get more sick before I get better. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so during the sickness, um, I wrote haikus Mm. and I did a lot of reading, lots of reading. And then the, the writing of little little haikus, and then I would do that with my children. We would write little haikus.
1: So, were you reading to stay informed, and were you reading like nonfiction about cancer, or were you reading to get away, like like ghost stories is probably what I would be reading, or you know things like that, or bio- like what were you reading? Yes. escape therapy of stories, mostly fantasy of, of
2: um, strong female characters. Nice, and I tried to take on those personas of those kick-ass women
1: mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that have
2: um magical abilities that they don't know at first. But that's yep. part of the journey is them discovering their inner power and how they can help themselves and their families and and save their village or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So fantasy, fantasy book. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I feel like that's my first inclination would be to read up on everything. And then my anxiety would kick in. And then I'd say, no, 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 I need to just clock out, you know, reread Willy Wonka or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. Yeah. Was my hero. Oh, it just because those books had come out about that same time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you wrote eventually your own book. Yes.
2: Because when I was first given the diagnosis, I, I wanted to be prepared on how to answer questions of my little children, six and three years old. And my aunt had recently passed away from cancer. It wasn't breast oh. cancer, so it wasn't in the family, but my oldest knew what cancer was. And um, so we were kind of recovering from that sad time, losing my aunt. And then I had to tell them this, and it was awful. I, so I went to the library to look for the right words. I couldn't find a book. Mm. I couldn't find a book at all. So I had heard this um, metaphor before, this analogy of uh, cancer is a bad weed. And the three of us were outside all the time, and we know what creeping Charlie is, and we know what dandelions are. So I explained it to him that way. I found my own words, and they understood. And they knew it wasn't the creeping charlie and they they would get it right you know yeah yeah <laughs> so that that was all calm um but during the whole journey of the surgery you know losing a body part that these little boys were familiar with their, of their mother right um cuz breastfeeding uh, i'm a strong advocate of breastfeeding and um then the hugs were different, and then there were sometimes I was so tired I couldn't even sing to them at night. So, I I explained it to them, and as we went for every different stage, from losing my hair to reconstruction um, to throwing up all the time. Uh, I at the end, and I was feeling recovered, and I was getting my energy back and growing my hair back. I realized I wrote the book that I was looking for. Yeah, and I wanted to be able to put that together, publish it, and be able to share it with other families. And many books have been purchased as a donation to different cancer centers. Nice. So that because you know breast cancer is is um, affecting more and more young women. And usually when there's young women, there's young children. Right. Yeah. So the book I wrote, it's in their voice. It's in my children's voice. Lewis and Max tell the story of when their mom was sick. And uh, Lewis explains all the big words because in a household, when there's somebody that has cancer, you're the little children are hearing the words like chemotherapy and reconstruction and... I, the book explains those things, but it also talks about that they were how they were mad and what they did when they were mad, um all the gifts and food and meals that they received. and they talked about all the different people that love them. So it's a good talk therapy book that um adults can have with kids when they are affected by cancer.
1: That's great. And it would bring comfort not only to the kids but to the person who's going through it too to have a way to have not everybody is necessarily as creative as you are too so this gives them i'm sure some comfort to have you know a map if you will almost of how to process that with their kids
2: right right and it's i'd like the idea of when you come to certain pages in my book that you can turn to the kid and say who loves you Lewis and Lewis and Max talked about all the people that love them. Who loves you? And then you get to find out what that kid is thinking. Mm-hmm. And if they're not thinking the right stuff, then that's a good conversation to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. So you, I'm going to veer off in a different direction slightly, but you touched on the food that people were bringing you. <laughs> um, okay, my food question is usually twofold. So was there something in your childhood that was remarkable? Like, for example, I'm French Canadian and I think of my grandmama and some of the dishes that she used to make, you know, for Christmas. So is there something like that from your childhood? And then is there something today that brings you comfort? And are they different or, or have your has your palate expanded over the years? Uh,
2: my palate has expanded over the years. Um when I was barfing and sick from chemotherapy, mm-hmm. it was very hard to find food that tasted good and would stay in my stomach and would make me feel comforted. Right. Um, surprisingly, my auntie Mary Jane's rice pudding at Christmas time <laughs> was so delicious.
1: Nice. And
2: so my mom got her recipe, and we were able to make it at home. Um, and. She would drive me to chemo and she'd say, All right, I'll make rice pudding tonight.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, so that me. was
2: a good thing. Yes, yeah. Yes.
1: It was Is it a creamy rice pudding or is it? I've seen both.
2: It's, it's dense,
1: like the more dry kind of that you almost cut it into squares like a brownie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah okay. Yep, Very cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was delicious. Nice. And, yes. and just the mention of cheesecake oh. made me crave it. Yeah. 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 Nice. (laughs) As a kid, um, I've been recently thinking about um, my parents have a a really good friend, um, Judy Arnold. She made this most delicious garlic, no, French bread with garlic and cheese and sweet onion and poppy seeds. Oh. And so whenever we would get together as a kid, we'd do, you know, mixed family parties and she'd make this bread. Maybe it was mostly called a cheese bread. Yeah. But, um... I just had recently thought about asking her for the recipe for yeah. that. Yeah.
1: So did she make the bread too, or did she buy a loaf of bread and then add these things to it? Yeah. Well, there
2: uh, these grown-ups were teachers when I was a child, oh. so they did not really have time to make their own bread. Yeah. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: well, I was going to say that sounds really tedious, but yeah, if you yeah. can get away yeah. with getting a loaf of bread and and yeah. just kind of and then just slicing it. it up. Yep. Mm. She would slice
2: it and then stick the good stuff in between yeah. and then wrap it in foil and put it in the oven. And then sometimes when it was served, it was foil and all. It just kind of opened up and placed on the table with the foil and then everybody would take their part. Oh,
1: yeah. the best straight out of the oven.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love it. Yeah. Um, so have you, I do ask my guests for a recipe, not that I want you to rhyme it off necessarily, but have you thought about what dish you'd, like to share with our audience
2: today? Yes, I think I will share my corn souffle recipe. Ooh, yeah. It it sounds like it's French, but it's very Minnesotan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I um make it for our family Thanksgiving and Easter meals.
1: Okay, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's exciting. So, listeners, check the show notes. The recipe will be down there. Um so we touched a little bit about your, your childhood and, and what you like to eat. So are there other things from your childhood, either a, a go-to memory of something that made you happy or an object maybe that you had or a stuffed animal, just something that you've carried with you into adulthood, even if you don't necessarily have the object, but you just think about it and it brings you it brings a smile to your face.
2: I would have to say um, the blanket my grandma Tesman made me. One one Christmas, all of us grandkids, there's like 12 of us, got a blanket, a twin size blanket, um, all different colors. She uses Trico material that's often used for um, women's like 90s. Yeah. And so she gets yards of this and makes blankets and just ties them together. And it's so it's soft and it's silky. And then there's a thin batting in between. Um, and I got it probably when I was 10 years old. And I know my sister still has one. Hers, My sister's just purple. And my brother still has his. It's green. And mine is a blue teal color. And since then, my my mom has made blankets. We call them subbies. Oh, I love that S-U-V-V-Y, U V V Y cuz they're soft and we love them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh so we we have our subbies still my mom makes them my my so my sons have subbies um red and blue and uh my mom makes subby blankets for um babies that are white and square. Sometimes they have lace along the edge. Aww. But you know, I am 52 years old now,
1: and I still have my stuffy. See? Blankets. There's a reason yes. it's in the title. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think um, the art of handmade gifts seems to not be as, it doesn't seem to be as common now. I don't know if there's this expectation of having something new or expensive, but I have I do when I think back to gifts in you know my childhood, a lot of them, obviously the toys were fun, but... Those kind of more meaningful ones were the handmade there's a Christmas ornament I whip out every day it's you know almost 42 years old now or not every day every Christmas, yeah, every Christmas. and my aunt is just a little gingerbread person that my aunt sewed by hand and it says Melissa's first Christmas on it and mm-hmm. you know there's something really really special I kind of wish um, we'd go back to that handmade gift thing a little bit
2: yeah I ask my sons to always like do a handmade card.
1: Yes. Yeah, we me, do that too. For my,
2: for my birthday or Mother's Day or whatever. That's so much more meaningful, I think.
1: Totally. Especially coming from kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we do that too. Even for friends' birthdays or family members, we just do the little handmade card. And he doesn't like art very much. So usually it's kind of just a stick person and then happy birthday. <laughs> but but it's still coming from him.
2: Yep. And he picked the color of the paper and the color of the pencils and all of that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So are there hobbies that you enjoy besides music and writing? Of course, what else do you like to do that, that brings some happiness to your life?
2: Well, I love reading Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: I love to make things. Um, I bought a house and it was a fixer upper. And so my dad and I worked together and flipped the house. And so my boys and I live here together now, and it's it's just been a, a fun work in progress. Um, I love being on the lake in the summer. Yeah. Um, I've got my back. It usually has my paddle boards. So I got blow up paddle boards. So I love to paddle and float on the lake and drink in the sun. And then I, I love to hike. Nice. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, When the pandemic hit, um, I realized, well, everything might be closed, but outside is not closed. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Yep. I downloaded an app on my phone to map my trail of where I go. And it's been really fun to see, um, the elevation changes and the distances and exploring and finding here in the twin cities, different places that I can hike, uh, and now it's, you know, year two of, of hiking regularly. I know, okay, it's April. I'm going to stay away from these parks because they're really muddy. And they're even, <laughs> they're even more slippery than if I were hiking on the ice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yep, I hike year round. So what kind of hikes? So I did speak to uh, my neighbor, Erin, who I interviewed for this podcast too. She's also a writer. And she likes hiking. And so my question to her was, do you prefer being like in the woods or or out in the open? Or what what type of terrain do you like the most? I like um, hilly forests.
2: Okay. I like being among the trees. Um, Year-round, you know, autumn, you know, there's some parks here that are just filled with maple trees. And it's very magical to be hiking with the golds and the reds. Um, and there, I have, I have some favorite places that are, I feel like, okay, I really need hills so I can go in the hills and be among the trees in the hills or, oh, I'm tired. Uh, You know, I've been working really hard, um, with my job. And so I'm, I just need to clear my mind and I would walk around a lake. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's less than a, that little foot trail, um, being more on like a, six foot wide path and you see, interact with people, Mm -hmm. I prefer the, the one track trail and being alone. Most of my hikes, I am solo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's nice. You get to clear your mind, let it wander. And yes.
2: And I love, you know, I, I drive half an hour just to get to the trailhead.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So you have, you get some variety then if you, if you're willing to go that far, you can switch it up. Yeah. Nice. Yes.
2: Yeah, now my kids are 19 and almost 16,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so I'm 12 years out from the breast cancer diagnosis. And what I am so happy about is that the, I am cancer-free. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 12 years out, and now my kids are really independent, and we are kind. Sometimes we're just ships passing in the night you know hey how was school great how was work good okay i'm going hiking yay okay i'm going to practice music okay bye and then you know we get back together at dinner time and we connect and then we're off and running and doing our own thing um so i the pandemic made me feel like everything was able to slow down mm-hmm. and we could realign our priorities
1: yeah Yeah, I think a lot of people had that kind of aha moment, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people changed jobs or changed, but like you're saying, priorities, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. For me, the household with two children in school, it used to be hustle and bustle and hustle and bustle and go and go and go. And And then as we all had to stop, we've been more thoughtful about how, what we're going to re-engage in. And, or what are we going to start from scratch or find deep down? And for me, it was the songwriting mm. that I was able to stop and take a breath and song started saying, what about me? What about me? And so then that's when I started songwriting again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that pause, as unfortunate as it was, because I know the pandemic has been really hard for a lot of people, whether they lost someone or they lost their job or, or just the anxiety of it, but it was also a, an opportunity. It sounds like once every hundred years, maybe, <laughs> but to to kind of reevaluate, you know, just our, the world in a way and how yeah. the world operates and yeah. hopefully the powers that be will, will do a little turnaround on some things, you know, and make it a better place. Yep.
2: It's no fun to be um, told that, that your lifestyle needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no fun to, you know, be given a cancer diagnosis. And it, it, it's, it's so we get delivered this bucket full of lemons. <laughs> yeah. And for, for me, what gives me comfort is how am I going to make lemonade? And then how am I going to make lemonade? That's for me, how am I going to make a lemonade for my children how am I going to make lemonade for my neighborhood and that's what gives me comfort is to actually it's you know we we get the lemons in life we do but what gives me comfort is is to figure out different ways to make lemonade
1: yeah process it and 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 share then the positive result as much as you can yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm going to veer a little bit um cause I like to touch on different kind of branches of things that bring us comfort. Is there a certain person in your life, either one person for a pivotal moment or just a constant, is there a certain someone, or I suppose it could be a pet or an animal or just a living creature of some kind <laughs> that that's your kind of go-to comfort person, whether they're still here or not. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would have to say it's my parents.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They've been there for me through thick and thin. Um, When each one of my my babies were born, they came and helped um, with the transition of becoming a larger family. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then when uh, the cancer diagnosis came, they moved in and helped keep the household running and helped spirits stay high and bright. And then so... Uh, buying the fixer-upper and knowing that my dad and I would work together on um, making it be a home was wonderful and comforting. And of course, mom is just always there. She's a rock. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that you guys have such a close relationship, you know, even After all this time, and I'm guessing your kids are probably close with them too.
2: Yeah, yep, absolutely. My sister, I have an older sister, and she is wonderful. Um, Always there when I need her. And then my younger brother, the same. If I'm like, hey, I need help moving this thing. Can you show up? And he, absolutely. There he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I lucked out as far as family goes.
1: You did. It's it's nice to know there are people you can lean on. That's comforting. Just knowing there are people who are there for you, you know, for you. It's family sometimes, other people. It's friends or or whatever. But yeah, there's something. I I think humans. I'm an only child, and I really love my alone time. But I understand that as a human being, (laughs) we're social animals. We're built to live in a society, so it makes sense that yes, that we kind of crave that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So I'm going to hop again over now to places. And uh, this is always an interesting question to me because people have such varied versions of their responses. But is there a place, and that could be your childhood bedroom, it could be your den in your house now, it could be Paris, it could be a place you've never been to but dream of going. what's, What's a place that brings you comfort?
2: I would have to say it's our family lake home. Ah, Caribou nice. Lake. Ooh,
1: <laughs> sounds rural, or, or not rural, but far away. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. Um, it's in northern Minnesota, and my parents, um, educators, they're now retired, of course. But our summers were spent in the woods on this lake. In during the school year, I lived in the city, um, and then summers were in the forest. And the lake is. Gorgeous, crystal clear, beautiful water that's, um, I learned how to swim, learned how to fish, learned how to paddle a canoe on this lake, learned how to water ski. And now I know how to drive a ski boat and (laughs) and portage a canoe. And Yeah. um, yeah. And so I love going there. To me, it is the center of the universe. Just sitting at the end of the dock with my feet in the water, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I I love going up there year round, even cross country skiing in the winter. It's 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 my place of comfort.
1: Oh, it's interesting how water seems to be a recurring theme with people I've spoken to as well. Like there's just something whether it's the ocean, you know, in Mexico, or it's a lake. It just seems to be, or the sound of water or waterfalls, it just yeah. seems to be a thing that pretty much everybody finds some comfort in, you know, even just being near it, not even touching it necessarily. But yeah,
2: looking yeah. at it, seeing it, because it, 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 it moves with you, just like how your blood are, is flowing in your body and your thoughts are danced around in your head. And then having the movement of the water just kind of makes you feel like you are slow dancing with the world.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it, just that life source. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, I'm, I've i got one more question, and then we're going to turn the tables on you a little bit. But before I get there, do you have any habits that bring you comfort? So you said you made lists when you found out about your cancer, um, but even before that or, or something different now, but is there anything, any habits, like you say, you go hiking or any rituals or certain things that... That bring you comfort?
2: Oh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything specific other than like moving my body. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm working remotely, I have a standing desk. Um, uh, I, I always have some sort of energy to burn at the end of the workday. And so if weather permits, I, I'm outside moving my body, um, hiking, and then while I hike, I kind of pray to my body too. Nice. Thank you Thank you legs for getting me to this beautiful place. yeah <laughs> that, yeah, that sort of thing. yeah. yeah. Um, Anything any specific habits mm, that's a tough one. Maybe because in my mind I think the word habit it me is, is Negative, like a bad habit,
1: yeah, yeah maybe routine yeah. would be a better I mean, I'm not a routine person, so I totally understand if you don't have a response. yeah, but right. I know some people oh, every morning I get up at five and I make my coffee and I do you know, yeah, and, and that's comforting to some people, so right, right. Um,
2: chai is what I drink ah, nice. every morning, yep, yeah and, and so i I feel off if I don't have my hot cup of chai
1: nice. there you go. yeah, helps you get centered. Yes. Yes. Ready for the day. Mm-hmm. I like how you were saying you talk to your body. Cause I, I, uh, got a little sedentary over, over the pandemic, mostly because I was working on creative projects that involve sitting. Cause it's hard to write a novel when you're you know jogging. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyhow, the last few months I've been exercising every day and it was hard in the beginning. Now it's getting better, but I have those moments where I'll say out loud just different things like, I'm stronger, or I got this, or even when I'm not feeling it and but it's weird, it's a mental game because it all of a sudden you get this boost from it, or I'll just smile even though I'm really not happy doing jumping jacks, but I'll just smile, and it it's interesting how it really does affect you, yes, I agree, yeah when it when things are like,
2: Oh, I can't even do three more, if you just smile, all of a sudden you did eight more, yeah, it's yeah. really weird,
1: isn't it, and yeah, very cool, yeah, yeah I like that.
2: Yeah. Smiling is really important to me. Smiling gives me comfort.
1: It does. Yeah. I find it. And seeing other people smile really is, is great too. You know, when you're out in public and you're having a crummy day or something, and then you just walk by this gentleman grabbing apples at the grocery store and he just smiles and you're like, Oh, it's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Yep. (laughs) So, all right. I'm turning the tables on you. I've asked you about all the things that bring you comfort how do you bring comfort to other people? Of course you wrote your book so that there's that, but what are yeah. some other ways that you bring comfort to other people?
2: Well, I have a good friend that works at a retirement um residence. And he invited me to come and talk about my 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 story, my book and my songwriting and my most recent songs that I've written the the past year have been very much hard on my sleeve, but it's a very common heart. And the responses I got from um, the the folks that that came were just so, they were so grateful. um, And how I've articulated hope and positivity, searching for the silver lining and eventually finding the silver lining. And that has made me Made my heart fill with so much joy that my new songs are reaching a wider audience, and that they are um, that they are filled with warmth when they hear it. So that makes me feel good. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm in um, a singer songwriter songwriting challenge um, here in January through May of 2022, and we're doing 10 prompts. Okay. Every two weeks we get a new prompt.
1: Wow. And
2: I've been, I've been, you know, feeling stronger and stronger as I'm practicing making songs. And, um, my most recent song was a co-write and I shared it on my Facebook and two very dear friends of mine said, Oh, I, my eyes are filled with tears Aww. listening. And, and so I want yeah. people to feel and I want people to know that everybody has these feelings and it's okay to be in touch with your feelings. And um, so I'm hoping that I give comfort to people through my book and through my music. And um I'm a I'm a can do sort of person. So here in my neighborhood, I love helping my neighbors out. And and I like to be that neighbor that they know that,
1: you know, well, let's just ask Katie to bring our garbage can down. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is really nice. We have a great we live on a great block and our neighbors are are it's kind of like that we know we can ask each other if we're, there's the one neighbor who has all the tools. So if you need a weird tool for some very specific thing, you know who to call and, yeah. you know, you know who's good at catching possums. If there's a possum in the chicken coop, <laughs> like right. you know, it's, it's, it's cool though. It's very comforting to know that you, there's, there will be somebody who can help if, if you need it.
2: Yes. Like uh, you were saying what humans are um, like herd animals. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it takes a village. We, we yeah. need each other. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, this has been such a great chat. I'm so happy that we connected and uh, and that we got to do this. This is really great. Thank you so much. Yes, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Melissa. Oh, you bet. I wish you all the comfort in the world. <laughs> it's well-deserved. And, and I wish you all the comfort in the world. Oh, thank you. And every listener just, you know, all it takes is a blanket by the sound of things. Blanket and water nearby. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. That's I need. Yeah. And a smile on your face. Exactly. When it gets really bad, just smile anyway and it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And a big thank you to Katie for taking time out of her day to chat with me. Don't forget to check the show notes for her recipe and links to her music and writing projects and social media. Be sure to join me next time as we discover more feel-good stories and tips and tricks to bring more cozy, calm, and happy feelings to your day. Before I go, a nod to Canel for the intro and outro music, which is based on a song called The Mess Inside Your Head. Hopefully we've helped calm that mess a little bit today. Take care and talk soon.